In order for us to do the extraordinary things that God wants us to do, we must first become the extraordinary people that God wants us to be. So what we're going to do starting today and going forward for the next several weeks is we are going to look at who we are here at St. Timothy and St. Athanasius Church, and we're going to delve into it deeply. For those who weren't here last week, we talked about how we want like two launch dates for this church. Like last week was like the internal launch or the soft launch, all right, or the beta testing, whatever it is you want to call it, which is where we started building who we are as a community and who we are as a church. We are not at the point yet where we're launching out to the community because we're first building. And we're going to spend the first, several, first couple months building who we are, and then after that we're going to take it outside and go to the world around us and change the world. Compared to what Jesus did with his disciples. He spent three years with them, discipling them, and then he sent them to the ends of the earth. So we're not going to do three years because time moves quicker these days, okay? And we're on a little bit of a tighter time scale. But uh, we are going to spend some time figuring out who we are as a church. Our mission statement, for those who didn't see it last week, is we, let's read this together so I know that I'm not talking to myself. We exist to transform lives in the D.C. metro area through an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ founded upon the life and teachings of the Orthodox faith. Say it like you mean it like you care. Again, we exist to transform lives in the D.C. metro area through an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ founded upon the life and teachings of the Orthodox faith. That's who we are called to be. We're not called just to be a group of people who gets together, has free church, free coffee on Sundays, and sing some nice songs, and then we go back in, in the same way. There's lots of other churches out there where if you just want to be nothing, you can be content to go to many of those places here, we're here because we know God wants us to use us to change the world. And I said it last week, I know you probably think I'm being overly optimistic, but I'd rather err on the side of expecting too much from God than expecting too little from God. I expect that God will change the world through the stuff that we're doing right here. Maybe not right away. One of the things, I might hold on one second, the screen saver. Let me just adjust that. <laughs> yeah, it's set to like one minute. So hold on, give me one second as I adjust this or else we're going to... Every couple seconds. I'm telling you, we're, it's just, part of being like a new church is you're figuring things out on the fly. Like, for example, who was here this morning when the fire alarm went off? Raise your hand if you're here and the fire alarm went off. If you weren't here when the fire alarm went off, you came to church too late, okay? Because that made us an official Coptic church. We set off the fire alarm, okay? So now we are like baptized into the Coptic faith because we set it off there. All right. There we go. Screensaver set to five minutes. All right, very good. That's our mission statement. We're called to do something great. We're called to transform the D.C. metro area. How? Well, that's what we're going to talk about. Our vision is that, if you remember again last week, that the church that Jesus started 2,000 years ago, that's written about in the book of Acts, that that church is alive today, and we are called to live as that church. We all have no doubt that the head is alive. The head of the church is alive. And that's what we celebrate during these days of resurrection. The head is Jesus Christ. And He is alive. Well, if the head is alive, the body has to be alive. And who's the body? I'm the body. And you're the body. And we're going to try to figure out over the next several weeks how we can become that body. And that gets us to our core values. Our first core value. If you don't have the handout, make sure you grab it on your way home or on your way out and you hang it on your fridge. We made it nice and in color so you can hang it on your fridge. All right? The first core value is limitless acceptance. 
Is it by chance that we are going to speak about limitless acceptance on Mother's Day? Y'all believe anything's by chance? I don't believe anything's by chance. I want to do two things today. I want to honor our mothers. All right? And that applies to all kinds of mothers. That applies to the moms who raised us, the moms who's raising our children, the moms who are going to raise our children, the moms who are the single moms, the working moms, the stay-at-home moms, the whatever kind of moms. I want to honor moms by showing what moms can teach us about the love of God and more specifically about the acceptance of God. <clears throat> and then I want to figure out what it is that we need to do based on that. Like I said, first thing is that I am going to thank every mother on behalf of bringing us into this world and taking care of us. And on behalf of every intelligent man, we say thank you as well. The key that I just said there is intelligent man. Because there are some Neanderthal men that do not appreciate their moms. And for those Neanderthal men, I actually read a very nice article. Let me get my backpack out of here. About an idea that I read about online that we should submit our Neanderthal men to. This is a new game show idea that I read about online, and it's called Moms. And the way the game show works, it's kind of like a survivor kind of like game show. Okay, I'll read to you what it says. Here's the way it works. Six married men will be dropped off on an island with one car and four kids each for six weeks. Each kid plays two sports, either takes music or dance classes. Each man must take care of his four kids, keep his assigned house clean, do the dishes, correct all the homework, complete the science projects, cook, do laundry, etc. And there's no access to fast food. The men only have access to one television and, when they, and they can only watch it when the kids are all asleep and the chores are done. There's only one 12-inch TV between them and there's no remote control. The men must shave their legs and apply makeup daily while driving their children to school. They must help in the classes weekly, clean up after sick children at, sick children at 3 a.m., make a model Indian teepee with only six toothpicks, a tortilla, and candle wax, all while getting a four-year-old to eat a serving of peas. And then here comes the best part. The kids vote the men off the island based on their competence. <laughs> The last man wins only if he has the ability to remember all his children's birthdays, his wife's birthday, and his own birthday. If the last man does win, he can play the game over and over and over and over and over for the next 18 to 25 years, eventually earning the right to be called a mom. How's that sound, mom? Pretty accurate job description? We want to learn today a little bit about God's acceptance from looking at moms. Now here's the thing I want to say right off the bat. I'm going to do my best. I may slip, but I'm going to do my best to talk about God's acceptance, not God's love. And why I'm not talking about God's love? Because I believe we overuse the word love. Love is a big thing. And love has many facets to it. And God's acceptance of us, okay, one of the things we pray when we pray in the Thanksgiving prayer is that He accepts us unto Him. Acceptance is a component of love. But love is so much broader, okay? Like love entails accepting, but love also entails disciplining, doesn't it? Love also entails speaking the truth, but it also entails hugging. So love is a big thing. So I don't want to diminish God's love. I want to talk about one aspect of God's love, which is the acceptance of God, okay? And that's going to be our topic here for today. Because as a church, one of our core values is that we have limitless acceptance, what can we learn about God's love from our moms? Just like a mother, two things I want to teach you about 
not teach you, but I want to discuss about God based on moms. Number one, just like a mother, God accepts me exactly as I am. This, okay, for us men, we can sort of kind of not really understand this. Moms, you get this. When a mom has a child, there's no prerequisites. There's no like, okay, if you look like this or you dress like this, there's none of that stuff. From the minute a child is born, the mother accepts that child exactly as they are. And from the second, I don't even want to say because that's even a misstatement. From the second we're born, that's not right. From before the second that we're born, God accepts us. And He accepts us unto Him, regardless of what deficiencies or weaknesses that we have. Regardless of whether we, have, uh, we know the secret handshake, or the secret code words, or our dress code, or our language, regardless of any of those things, God accepts us as we are. Exactly as we are. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the, in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nation. Before you were born, God said, You are the most important person in the world to me. Before you did anything, God ordained you and said, This person is the most important person, and I got a great job for this person. Look, I'm doing my best in my male mentality to describe this. The men, we don't get this. Because for us men, correct us if, we're, if I'm wrong, ladies. For us men, it takes energy and effort to love someone. I'm not saying we can't. I'm not giving our, us an excuse. But what I'm saying is, okay, this is a person, I'm going to love them. It's a decision. It's part of our being waffles. Okay, we process things, but with women, there's no processing when it comes, especially to their children. There's no processing. There's a child, no matter what the child looks like, or what the child has done, that's my child, it's their nature. And that comes from God. You know how you can tell a mom accepts a child no matter what state they're in? I've seen it with my own eyes. So everything I'm going to say, I've seen it with my own eyes. A child begins to vomit, and the mom catches it. I don't know why, but she's catching it. <laughs> a child drops the pacifier on the ground, on the nasty ground, and how does the mom clean it? <laughs> yeah, as if it wasn't nasty enough in his mouth, from the mouth to the ground, from the ground to the mouth, from the mouth to the mouth. <laughs> and then the worst one. Child sneezes. Mom has no tissues. <laughs> what does the mom use to wipe that little kid's nose? She wipes it like that with her hand, and I don't know what happens next. <laughs> In a more sanitary way, that's a perfect picture of God's love. Okay, minus the disgusting bacteria side of things. That's a perfect picture of God's love. Because oftentimes, let's be honest, we walk around to God and we got snot hanging down our face. And we got stuff coming out this end, that end, every end. We're messy, we're dirty, we've been playing in the mud, we vomited on ourselves, we're disgusting in a spiritual sense. What does God do? <clears throat> As you may or may not be able to tell, I'm not the most kidsy kind of a guy. I'm not the most like, like I got kids, I love them, they're the best. That's my kids, okay? Your kids, I love them as well, okay? 
but I'm not one of those like kidsy kind of like some people are just like they can hug and kiss and stuff to everyone else's kids. That's not the way God made me. True story. When I first became a priest, you know, Jesus was big into kids, so I said, you know what, I gotta be into kids too. So I tried to be kidsy. Hey, you know, like it's great, tiger. You know what I mean, like. And I tried to be like kidsy, but it just wasn't doing it for me. And I remember, I had two like traumatic experiences with kids. One was my very first tisht. <laughs> Do you guys know what a tisht is? A tisht is when a child is eight days old, okay, the first bath a child takes. We have all kinds of funny stuff, okay? So we have a celebration when a child takes his first bath, okay? Yeah. To us, it's so natural and intuitive, but when you say it out loud, it seems kind of strange. So my first one that I went to, lady had a baby, invited me over, okay? And there's like a little prayer you say at the tisht, okay? So, yeah, so I'm up there and I'm, you know, mingling and trying to be with the kid and the kid and all this kind of stuff and all, all this kind of stuff. And then it's ready time, we do the prayer over the water, it's time to bathe the baby in the tisht. So what I do is, okay, I say, okay, take the baby's clothes off. They take the baby's clothes off. They put the baby in my hand. I feel a little squirmy in my right hand, okay? I go to put the baby in the water, and the baby has left me a gift in my right hand. <laughs> First and last time the diaper ever came off during a tish prayer. <clears throat> Another story. One time I was visiting a family, and again, I'm trying. this was like now I had been married for a little bit, and you know when you get to that certain part in marriage where everyone wants you to have a kid? So I was at that stage. I didn't have kids yet. So we're eating dinner, and this family thought it'd be nice. Why don't we plop Junior right next to Father Anthony? You know what I mean? And, you know, like, we'll have dinner together. So they plop little Junior down, and I'm telling you, I, the kid was eating SpaghettiOs, which used to be my favorite food in the whole wide world, <laughs> until he decorated his face, his hair, and all the walls with those SpaghettiOs. It was the nastiest thing I ever seen. I tried to find a picture online of what it kind of looked like. Kind of looked like one of those situations. The kid didn't believe in fork. So he kind of like squeezed the SpaghettiOs, you know what I mean? And like made them like mangled SpaghettiOs. And stuff would go in his mouth, it would come out of his mouth, it would go in his hair, it would go in his ear, out his ear, back in his ear, in his mouth. Like it was just the nastiest thing. And there was one point in time, I'm sitting there and I'm trying to, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and I'm trying my best. And the kid looks at me with a look of like, hey, you want to play? <laughs> I turned around and gave him one of these looks. <laughs> Go ahead, make my day. <laughs> Which basically was, you touch me, I'm going to burn your crib down, buddy. <laughs> That's who I am by my nature. Fast forward from that event to January 26, 2005, a hospital room in Fairfax Hospital. One minute, there's me, there's Marianne, and a doctor. The next minute, there's me, there's Marianne, a doctor, and a boy. He wasn't there a minute ago. Now he's there. A minute ago, no boy, now the boy. And that boy is my son. At that minute, moms and dads, you agree with me. It's as if God does a little surgery on you, opens your heart up, puts something inside and seals it back up. And that something inside 
whether it's love, whether it's acceptance, whatever word you want to call it. You know what it is I'm talking about if you have a kid. That God puts something inside which says this little person is the most specialist person in the whole wide world. And if the doctor came to me right now, if this little person was alive for one second, one second, and said, this little child needs a heart transplant. I need your heart. Take it. For this child, anything. If this little child needed anything, anywhere, anytime, anything, you'd rip your own skin apart and give it to this child. Wouldn't your parents? Can't explain it. <clears throat> I remembered when the baby was born, Marianne had like a C-section. Okay, so after a C-section, you like, it's like an operation, so they go into like recovery, and she like got knocked out for like two hours. So baby was born like, <laughs> so when the baby's born, when the mom's having a C-section, they go to the dad and say, you know, here you go, dad. You know what I mean? And as much as I, okay, this is my weakness, okay, as much as I wanted to, I said, can you, you know what I mean, like, <laughs> just, uh, you know, like a little towel or something like that. Have you never seen a C-section? Okay, it's like, it's like the movie, like, Alien, okay? They, like, cut the mom's, some, I'm not joking, they cut the mom's stomach open, they pull this little thing out, and they stitch her back up. It's the disgustingest thing in the whole wide world. And then they come to you like this, okay, and I already told you my phobias and my fears and stuff like that. So, a second after that, you know, they toweled him down, hosed him down, or whatever it is they did, and then they gave me the child. And Marianne was out at that point in time. And I remember, I spent two hours, and I remember Fairfax Hospital, for those who have been there, it's kind of a crowded place. We spent two hours, like, in the hallway, from the operating to get to the recovery room. Like, we were in line, like, it was literally in, like, this, this hallway. Marianne is knocked out, and I sat there with Michael, just like that, for two hours. And the two hours went by like that. That day God taught me a lot about His love for me. And I understood God's love went from like here to here. This picture, I want you to know that you're the baby in this picture. You're the baby in this picture. As worthless as you may be, as meaningless and insignificant as your life may have been, I already, I'll even go to the negative. As much negative as you've done, as many times as you've hurt God, you've broken promises to God, you have betrayed Him, you stabbed Him right there, you nailed Him on the cross, go ahead, tell me. Those are the eyes with which he looks at you every single second of the day. <clears throat> when you look at how your moms accept you and how our moms accept us, that is a fraction of the way God looks at us and says, you're my boy. And I don't care. I don't care. You're my boy. What do you need from me? You need me to die on a cross? I'll die on a cross. What, what do you need from me? Let's brainstorm here together. Let's say you're, like, uh, I'll speak now to the logical. Maybe the emotional people, you're good with what I just said, you're done. You're convinced, hook, line, and sinker. Let's go to the logical people. Because let's be logical, okay? We meet God sometimes, and we've done bad stuff. We've made mistakes. Like, how can He accept me when I've done, like, like, here I am, 
I, I stab him in the back, and then, like, how can he accept me logically? Let's think, what's the worst possible condition or way that if you were to plan how you would not want to meet your maker, how you would not want to stand before the judge of judges, the king of kings and lord of lords, the worst possible way, like I'm talking about the worst possible way that you have to stand face to face in front of God. The best way, I want to confess and then die right after. Or I want to take communion and then die. Those are the best. I'm talking about the worst possible way. You know the worst possible way? Read with me John chapter 8. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him, him being Jesus, a woman caught in adultery. A woman who was not guilty of adultery. A woman who was what? Caught in the act. Meaning, okay, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I was coming over here to do, but I, I caught myself, okay? <laughs> There's no slide for this one, okay? She was in the act of adultery and she got caught and she got grabbed by the hair probably, naked, not clothed, thrown out in the middle and they're all hurling insults at her and saying, we caught you, we caught you, we caught you. We'll read on. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Again, not an accusation. Walked in the room, there's ten of us, we walked in the room, surprise, there she is, grab her by the hair, put her in the middle of, 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 of Times Square, and bring Jesus right in front of her. Now Moses and the law commanded that as such, us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? You know those commercials, want to get away? <laughs> this is the ultimate want to get away moment. What are you going to say? What are you going to say? Um, I didn't meet. No. I was back. No. Yeah. What are you going to say? What are you going to say? Go ahead. Make your argument. Plead your case. This woman, I have an expression that I use, and forgive it. Forgive me for it's not the most pleasant picture. But after all the other stuff I said, this is the proverbial. I pooped in my pants moment. And I got caught pooping in my pants. Because I got caught, I'm disgusting. I'm telling you two things. There are some people sitting amongst you right now that have pooped in their pants. And if they haven't, then I guarantee you that as soon as we go outside those doors, you're going to meet people around you who have pooped in their pants and are walking around feeling guilt, shame, disgusting, unacceptable, unloved. Un, not even say unloved, unlovable. That's the right one. And unacceptable. And the most miserable feeling that you can imagine. You're going to run into people like that. I'm sure there's people that you work with that are like that. And like I said, I'm willing to wager there's people sitting here amongst us right now, but the problem is with us, or not the problem, but whatever, we're good actors. I have people sitting here right now who feel this way, that I'm unacceptable to God. Not after God has given me chance after chance after chance after chance after chance after chance after chance. It can't get any worse than this moment. Let's see how the story ends. Verse 9. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing up in the midst, when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? 
Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. If we are going to be the body of Christ, the head, if we are going to be the body of the head, the head, no matter what kind of person he saw in front of him, and no matter what kind of sin he was faced with, he may not have accepted the act, but he always accepted the person. He may not have accepted what she did. We saw that last week with the Samaritan woman. But he always accepted the person. No matter how disgusting, it can't get worse than this. It can't get worse than this. The church is not a place where we accept sin. But the church is 100% a place where we accept sinners. And if you are going to be part of the body of Christ, if you are going to be part of St. Timothy and St. Athanasius Church, then you must know this is a place where one of our core values is limitless acceptance. That we view every single person who walks in to this hotel room or anywhere. Actually, one of the things that makes me so happy about not having a church building is I want to say every person who walks into this church, but this isn't a church, it's a hotel. Anyone who walks into the church is the most important person. But what's the church? The church is me. Okay, I'm the church. So any person who walks into my life is the most important person in the whole wide world. And that person, that's our core value, was sent by God. Was sent by God. Not sent randomly, was sent by God. And God cares very much about how I handle my interaction with that person. Let me tell you something else about moms. God's not, moms not only accept us just as we are. Moms, just like God, are very protective of their children. Would you agree with that statement? Moms are, uh, that's right, moms. Amen to that one. Because no matter how sweet they look, this is a picture of my wife. She is the sweetest human being on the face of planet Earth. She cannot hurt a fly even if she wanted to. Touch one of her children and you will see my lively, sweet wife transform into... Yeah, a gorilla. That's how moms are with their children. That's how God is with his children too. You know who especially... Okay, moms. You know who especially moms are protective over? Not all children equally. They're not protective of all children equally. They're protective over the weak child more. Agreed? If I got two children, and one is strong, self-confident, whatever, and the other one is weak, and lacking in self-esteem, and sensitive, and this one is a bulldozer, okay? Smack him on the head, punch him upside the head, he knock you right back, okay? This one, one word, makes him cry for days. You think I'm going to protect them equally? You do this one, I'm going to glare at you, maybe I go after your kid, okay, that's fine. You do this one, you touch this one, it's over. You go near this one, it's over. You don't think God is protective over his children? You think that my wife, who will break your neck if you hurt one of her children, 
You don't think God is a hundred times more protective over His children, especially the one who's weak, who's hurting, who's lonely, who feels rejected, who feels outcast? You don't think so? Matthew 18, verse 10. Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I say to you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Watch out when you mess with the little ones, with the weak ones. Watch out when someone comes to church feeling down and you judge them. And they feel rejected and you increase that rejection. Watch out. Because their angels stand right before the face of God. And those angels are making report. <clears throat> I remember when I was in college, I used to work as a waiter. Alright? And as a waiter, you give service to people. But you know you gave a little bit of extra better service? When? When the owner was in the restaurant. And when the owner was visiting, you were a little bit more friendly. You took a little bit more time with each person. You were a little bit less likely to... Yeah. A little bit less. Well, I want you to walk around. What I'm saying, I'm saying the church, but again, we already agree we have no church. So it's everywhere we go. But when we walk around here, we know that the owner is right behind us. And he is watching how we treat every single person who walks in those doors. And every single person who sits right next to us. And we are not going to take a chance that God is going to send someone to us. And God, think about this. Now this person, I'm just going to use you as an example. This person is lost. As lost as lost can be. This guy is worthless. This guy's got nothing going for him in life. Okay? Just messing with him. John's my good friend. Alright? And God did something inside him. God touched him. Through a song on a radio, through a word from an a, a, a email, through something. And this person said, you know what? I'm going to come and give God one more chance. I'm going to give God one more chance. And this person walks into church. And this guy ignores him, criticizes him, rebukes him, rejects him, ignores him. You want to be standing in this guy's shoes? After all God did. And God said, I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and I did this. To get this guy here. And you turn him away? Watch out. You don't want to mess with that. You don't want to mess with that. Well, that the verse I didn't bring here, because I'm trying to be happy-go-lucky, it's Happy Mother's Day, it's just a few verses before. Anyone know Matthew chapter 18, verse 6 talks about? I'll give you a hint. It talks about little ones, and if you do something to offend them, then there's a place in the ocean where it would be better for you if you tied a millstone around your neck and you jumped in the deepest part of the ocean. I didn't bring you that first because I'm trying to be upbeat and positive. Maybe we need to change our view of the people that we see around us. Maybe we need not to see people as a hindrance, as an inconvenience. Maybe not to just see my clique and my friends, but we need to look around and see, you know what? This person is sent by God. And this person is a child of God. Parents, you know, you've seen the, the things on the news like the, the babysitter cameras or whatever it is when there's like, I leave my kids and then the babysitter's beating the kid at home. Man, the thought of, I leave my kid with a babysitter and a babysitter beating him. I'm going to beat that babysitter when I come home. I'm beating him to death. We're babysitters. And maybe we need to start looking at ourselves that way. God is sending His children to us. And the people that are sitting around you are the children of God. You do not have the right. You do not have the right to push them away. You do not have the right to be less accepting of them than God is. To hold them to a higher standard than God holds them. God holds them to this standard. You're holding them to a higher standard. 
That's why this church, we will never, ever be click. We will never be clicks. Ever be clicks. Because clicks are anti-acceptance. We will always be a place of limitless acceptance where we believe that every single person who enters our church what's our church again? Our church is me. Enters my life. Every person who enters our church is the most important person in the world. That person is sent by God and should be loved and accepted as such. No random people. No random. Anyone random? Does anyone here think they're a random person? Raise your hand if you're a random person. No one here is random. Everyone here made a decision to come today. No one here is random. And the person that you're going to run into after is not random. And, and the person that you're going to see down at the coffee is not random. And the person that you part next to is not random. And the guy in the cubicle next to you is not random. We are going to be a church of limitless acceptance. We may not accept everything, but we will accept everyone. And it's not going to be easy. I know it's not easy. That's why I wanted to start with this one. Set the bar high. I know it's not going to be easy, and I have to work on it just as much as you do. But we will not stop striving for this because this is who God is, and this is who God is calling us to be. How practically? <clears throat> I want to give you two things. How practically to be a church of limitless acceptance? Two things. I want you to receive it and reflect it. Commit to doing these two things. I want to say on a daily basis, if not on a daily basis, on a bi-daily or, or weekly, whatever. As often as possible, you receive the acceptance of God, you reflect the acceptance of God. You get filled, think about it, with the, the sensor, okay? The beautiful sensor that made the nice fire department come this morning, okay? That sensor sends off smoke. I want to receive the smoke, and when, when I, like after I pray the liturgy, I walk around, people are like, you smell nice. Usually I'm like, yeah, that's just like all the saints like us, we just let off this aroma. Okay, that's what I usually tell people. The truth is that when I'm next to the sensor, okay, the smoke coming up, makes me smell, okay, in a positive way. So I want to be the same way. I want to every day drink of God's love and drink of God's acceptance and be smothered in it. Then I want to go around and I promise you, if you drank of God's acceptance this morning, you will be the most accepting person in the world. You know who the people who aren't accepting are? The people who don't feel accepted. Who are the judgmental people? The people who feel judged and feel... The critical people, the ones who are always criticizing, are the ones who have the lowest self-esteem and feel like they're not good enough. If you knew right now, that's why after we have the liturgy, the liturgy to me is that moment where I feel like I'm the worst person in the world and God gives himself to me. After that, how can I turn anyone away? How can I not accept someone? How can I be judgmental of anyone after what he has done for me? Start by receiving it and drinking it. One good, very practical thing to do, as I said last week, and I'm going to stress on this every week, I said in order for us to do great things, extraordinary things, we need a revival. In order for us to do a revival, we need to be revived. One of the things I want to revive in our church is the sacrament of repentance and confession. And I said last week that when we were booking this place, they gave us Sunday. Sundays at hotels are easy, no problem. And they were given to us at a low price. And then we said, we want Saturdays too. And they said, well, Saturdays are going to cost you more. I said, we need to pay more. And it's going to be difficult. That's okay. We need Saturdays. Why? Because we need to have regular time for the sacrament of repentance and confession. And every Saturday night, I'm in this room. From we have Vespers from 7 to 7.30. Then from 7.30 to 9.30 is the midnight praises, during which time I take confession. Come, first come, first serve. 
And so far for the past two weeks, I stayed the entire time. I took like seven or eight the first time, took seven or eight yesterday. We're not talking about hour-long sessions. We're talking about come in, examine yourself, repent before God, revive your soul, and then come ready to receive the body and blood of Christ the next morning as clean. I want us to do a revival, and this is a great way. If you want to drink of God's acceptance, schedule some time to examine yourself, to repent, and then come for the sacrament of confession every Saturday night, 7.30 to 9.30. And then after you have received it, you reflect it. <clears throat> I read a nice quote the other day by a man named A.W. Tozer. It's in your handout if you don't, if you, if you don't see it. A Pharisee, he's talking about the difference between Pharisees and spiritual people. A Pharisee is hard on others and easy on himself. But a spiritual man is easy on others and hard on himself. A true measure of receiving the love of God is reflecting that love for others. A true measure of knowing that I am accepted and I am loved exactly as I am. Exactly as I am. Is that I would then accept others exactly as they are and love them. But I want to change them. Look, you want to change that person? What is more likely to change someone? Acceptance or judgment? Do you change? Let's do the merits thing, right? Husbands, wives, are you inspired to change because you feel judged by your spouse or you feel accepted by your spouse? Maybe I can speak about this one. My wife's not in this room, right? Very good. Okay. So I can speak. No, I'll tell you the truth. Really, my wife, Marianne, is the most accepting person in the whole wide world. Really, she is. And I do some dumb things. And I do some bad things. And what motivates me to want to change is not that she beats me over the head. Not that she pulls out the frying pan and berates me to death. And finger and wag and all that stuff. She couldn't even if she wanted to. But her niceness and her acceptance of me is what makes me say, you know what? She deserves better than that. Her mother has got a big smile on her face right now. <laughs> yeah. That's the love of mom. There's the love of mom right there. That should get me a few points, right? Mother in law. <laughs> See that? I just got points with wife and mother in law. Two in one side. Okay. <clears throat> if we are going to be the body of Christ, we must reflect the love and acceptance of Christ. I'll leave you here with this verse. First John chapter four, verse one through verse eleven through twelve. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. We love one another. God abides in us, and His love has been perfected in us. Anyone know where you heard this verse recently? This morning during the liturgy. It was the reading. It was the Catholic epistle. that was read to us. And it is a perfect depiction of our value of a limitless acceptance. If God loved us, we ought to love one another, because that's how we will truly be the body of Christ. We will be just a body of acceptance. And we will take the world by storm. And wherever our body goes, as it reaches out into shopping malls and Starbuckses and, 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 and workplaces, and everywhere we go, we will just be shining the light of Christ's acceptance. And any time that you start to decrease in that, maybe you need to go and receive some more of it. And any time you forget, you go to John chapter 8 and you remember how he accepted that horrible, horrible, horrible woman. And that's the calling for us.
All right, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> Let's stand up and say a prayer together. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, our dear Heavenly Father, for your love for us, which truly is limitless. Lord, what words can we say to describe the way that you look at us and the way that you accept us? Just like a little baby can never know how much a father and a mother really loves him. Lord, we feel like that same way. Like every time we push you and push you and push you away, Lord, you're always there. Your arms just somehow stretch a little bit wider. Lord, let not this, this information be like head knowledge for us, but let it to be like heart knowledge for us that changes our lives, that changes our relationships, our marriages, our, 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 the way we parent our children, the way we, we speak to people in the street, Lord. We don't want to just be like the Pharisees who stand in front of the light and criticize the light and judge the light and evaluate the light and do everything except let the light change them. Lord, change us. Change us, Lord, so that we can be like you, that we can come here to church together and leave here not the same way we came, but leave here like little, like little embodiments of you going out into the world. We love you so much, Lord, and we thank you for all that you do for us. Lord, this day we also thank you for our mothers and our wives and the, the wonderful women that you put in our lives. On behalf of all the men, Lord, help us to be like more appreciative and thankful for the people that raised us and the people that's taking care of us now. Bless our little gathering here, Lord, and bless our church. And let this church to really do all the stuff that we know that you want us to do. Make us to be one body and one spirit united in you. Accept our prayers this day in the name of your only begotten Son, our Lord, our God, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints, especially St. Timothy, St. Athanasius. Hear us, Lord, as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Through Christ Jesus our Lord, thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.